are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 49 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest for episode 49 is none other than Josh Braun, founder of Sales DNA, creator of the Badass B2B Growth Guide, consistent, prominent LinkedIn content creator, and all around great guy to talk with about sales. In this episode, Josh and I talk about how he got started in sales. Josh started out as a kindergarten teacher, which when you find that out makes so much sense about his style of communicating and the way that he trained salespeople. And then we talk about like the literally the fact that if it had been leg day for him at the gym, that he might not have gotten into sales and instead would be a principal right now. And I shudder at that feeling, thinking about the sales community without Josh Braun. Then we go on to talk about his career. And Josh has done really great things on the front lines as a sales professional, learned amazing tactics from trial and error and really going out there and doing the work. So we talk about that. And then we talk about his content and the effect that it's had on the sales community, his view on how people learn, the way to communicate to people, the way that sales people communicate in general, just everything you would expect from a conversation with Josh Braun. If you don't have time to listen to the entire episode right now, we did serve up a short snack break sales tip from Josh Braun. So take a listen. If I had to give just one, I think it would be this. Uh, detach from the outcome. What do I mean by that? I mean, oftentimes when people are selling or they're prospecting, they put so much pressure on themselves to be able to book the meeting. And that pressure can be felt by your prospect. They can smell your commission breath. And so when you detach from the outcome and you're indifferent to the outcome, if this person wants to continue the conversation, great. Um, If they don't, that's okay too, because there's other people I can have conversations with. I have a mindset of abundance. And when you go in with that intent, that you're not assuming that what you have is going to be the top priority for someone when you call, which most of the time it isn't, but you're there to start a conversation. And they may say that it's not interesting, even though you think it is, it's not up to you. Um, and, and be able to say, okay, because if, if someone doesn't have the motivation, I see salespeople spending so much time and energy trying to force it, you know, trying to push the rock up the hill. I was working with a company last week. And they had, this one rep had 50 deals in his pipeline. And I'm like, not, you just don't have that. Like, and as we gone, as we went through it, it became apparent pretty quickly that he's just hanging on and hanging on and, and it's desperate and neediness. And so this idea of just detaching from the outcome and being indifferent from an intent and a belief perspective, I think is the one tip I would share with your readers. When you get the chance, continue to listen to the rest of this episode, Josh really just brings the fire on this one. So without any further ado, let's get this episode started. Episode 49. Take a listen. Okay, here we are. Episode 49 of the Lunch Break Podcast. And I am just really selfishly excited about having this particular guest on the show. One, because it's finally my way of having a conversation 
with this person because we've crossed paths. We've tried to connect schedules have been busy. And, and not only do I, do I get to have this conversation, but you guys get to listen in. Um, Josh Braun, the founder of sales DNA. If you've been on LinkedIn and are in sales in the last year, I'm sure you've stumbled across Josh's content. And before we hit record, I was telling Josh his content and his approach to outbound sales and messaging has really changed my personal outlook on outbound sales and, and made a real tangible difference in, in my career. And so for all of those reasons, very selfishly, super happy to have you on the show, Josh. Thanks so much. James, you are really good for my ego. It would be great if you could like do that every day, like call me at like 7am, just say that like, it'd be a great way to start my day. Yeah, I'll just send you one of those LinkedIn voice messages. You'll see the little blue bar come up and you'll know you've got some positive reinforcement coming your way. That would be, you know, that's a great service, like $9.99 and you yeah. get like a voicemail message from someone every day, positive affirmation. An ego boost. Ego boost, that's the name of it. I would sign up for that in two seconds because I, I don't, you can never get enough. Yeah. I, it's got to be like specific. It can't be like generic ego boost. It's got to be certain enough where it like skims your, Josh, that post you wrote mm -hmm. about, like, it's got to be specific. That would yeah. be like ego boost, personalized mass of something. Yeah. We could use artificial intelligence to find all the exactly. information. Exactly. And yeah. We could be super <laughs> trendy. Right. I love it. So, um, I, I, I know we have limited time, so I want to dive right in to how I always start every episode of the Lunch Break Podcast. Josh, how did you get started in sales? So my first sales job was selling the love of reading and writing to six-year-olds. I was an elementary school teacher, and it turns out that is a tough sales job. So I learned very early that you had to entertain people first. You had to engage them. Uh, be just as much as what you were teaching. So my roots are in education and also in entertainment. From there, I worked at Nickelodeon Studios. And when I say work there, I mean, I actually cut fruit for Melissa Joan Hart of uh, <laughs> Clarissa Explains It All. That's so right. I, that's so I, right. I saw that on your LinkedIn when, I, when, when we first connected. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's got to be the coolest thing on any LinkedIn profile that you worked at on Clarissa Explains It All, right. classic right. TV show. Right. And for clarity, when I say worked there, I, I cut her fruit, but I also tutored her in between. And so oh, my roots cool. are in uh, education, teaching, and entertainment. That's how I got, got into sales. And it turns out teaching and selling um, have a lot in common, James, as you, as you know. Mm, mm, yeah. And, and I, I've spoken to a few people over the course of the podcast that have a background in education. And and there's always super transferable skills. Like just, it's, it's silly how, how much they use, and I'm sure you were able to use from what you learned as a teacher and an educator in, in sales. So, so once you made the decision to get into sales from, from that career path, you know, what, what types of roles did you take on and how, how did those roles lead you to kind of where you are now? I think like most people, I fell into sales accidentally. I was actually on track to be an elementary school principal, if not for the faithful day when I was at the gym doing tricep pull downs and overheard a gentleman by the name of Scott Udine talking about something called a startup, which I had never heard the word before. He was doing a homeschool online. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I struck up a conversation with him. And he was such a good salesperson that when he took me out to lunch, 
I had actually resigned from being a teacher, dropped out of the principal program that week. And that started to get me into sales. I was lucky enough to be able to have him as a mentor. And uh, as you know, if you're blessed to have a mentor that's just good at anything, it can really accelerate your career. And uh, that, was, that was the start of it. A guy uh, formed a company called Child U way back, uh, which actually ended up getting acquired. And so that was the start of my, my career. Yeah, that's so happenstance. It's such a kind of a in the Random. gym over if here. I was, if I was doing leg extensions instead of tricep pull downs, I would be a principal today. Yeah, if it was leg day. If it was leg day. There would be no B2B badass growth guide. You, know? you are 100%. You know what? There's, that's 100% true. Seriously, <sighs> that's, it's, I never heard, thought about it that way. But if it was leg day, I would be an elementary school principal. Mm. And that's how life goes. And that's, that's how, how quickly, and that's why I love sales because it is one of those professions yes. where you could overhear somebody talking about it. And then in a week, like you see in the movies, you've quit your job. You know, that reminds me of the Wolf of Wall Street thing where the, uh, uh, the guy's character quits his job and calls and says, I'm quitting to, you know, today and I'll come work for you. And yeah, it's, it's, that's one of the great things about it. And so um, you're, you're, current state of what you're doing now with your company and your sales training just to kind of inject my own uh, feelings about what you've done and why it's resonated with me is because when I purchased the playbook and the guide the thing that jumped out at me was like whoa this guy's included emails that he sent when he was a VP of biz dev like this is no joke and he included the responses that is exactly why I thought it was so valuable. So I'd love to just talk a little bit about your time in those roles that gave you this material and these different methods of approaching prospects that have just turned into such valuable training material. Yeah, I want to hit on something that you said that I think is somewhat related, but that could perhaps be helpful to your viewers. And it's this idea of proving things. You mentioned mm. that these emails that you saw were powerful because you not only saw the email, but you actually saw the response. It wouldn't have had the pop if I just typed the email in because it would have, wouldn't have had the credibility. Mm -hmm. So from a prospecting perspective, and I was just talking to Jeremy Laville of Lead IQ fame about this. He does this interesting thing in his follow-ups where he'll actually cut, copy, and paste a testimonial mm. from one of his customers into the email, which again has much more credibility than you actually typing it in. Um, he'll also copy and paste some sample leads from prospects that this company is trying to go after rather than talking about it. So you touch on something really interesting there that can have implications for, for how you sell. Whenever you could prove it or show it rather than talk about it or tell it, um, it's gonna be super powerful. Um, with regards to why I started the company and uh, I think actually the question was how I got it, kind of got into the prospecting thing. A long time ago, you know, when I, when I joined uh, Jellyvision, there was about six, six or seven people. It was an agency. And I really didn't have much experience in sales at all. This was going back, I think, 15 or so years at this point. And my boss at the time said, you know, we want to start conversations and sell to these 12 or 15 people. And I had no idea, you know, how to go about doing that. But my teaching background, I knew that step number one is actually trying to find something that someone cares about. And in order to find something that someone cares about, you actually have to know about the person. And so I never considered my boss 
to be my CEO. I actually considered my boss to be my prospects. Just like when I was teaching, I never considered my boss to be my principal. I always considered them to be the students. And one, one thing I saw my students doing when they were six years old is they would lay on their back and they'd like to stare at the ceiling. So I'd actually put poems up on the ceiling. <laughs> they could read and we could talk about. So this, is, this gets, kind of gets back to the core of how I got into this, which is really getting a really good understanding of the person that you're reaching out to in terms of the job they're trying to get done or how you might be able to help them be happier and then find something that's really specific and relevant to that person. This was way back before I think the word trigger event even existed. <laughs> yeah. I learned early on that you know, if you reach out to someone like Geico and you actually start to in include screenshots of their website with an interesting perspective on how you think you can help them increase their auto quote conversion rates and you were specific, um, you'd be able to get a lot of attention because it was very specific and tactical versus we help you increase conversion rates and, and speaking really general. So yeah. you saw yeah. in, the, in the guide, you know, these are early, these are 15 years ago. And you know, these principles now have evolved and people call it personalization. They call it trigger events. Beck Holland does this interesting thing where she's taken it to another level. She's got eight or 10 buckets. But at the core of it, if you really simplify the approach early on, it's what does this person care about? And how can I write a first sentence in a way that's going to get them to read the second sentence? And the best way to do that that I know is to actually start something that you've observed about them specifically that ladders back to how you might be able to help them do something better. And this was, again, like, you know, 15 years ago. Um, I, I also had some software at the time. It was, I don't even think it's available anymore. It was called Sales Genius. It was really early on, way before Tout, way before Yesware. And I had it hooked up to my speakers at home. And I'd know anytime someone was opening the email, it would go, dun, dun, dun. And, it, and I would run into the room and I'd pick up the phone and I would call. Mm. It was sort of early days. Um, so that's, it was really an adrenaline rush when that, that, that alarm would go off. And so that's kind of how I got into it, James. Long uh, No, yeah. I mean, that's great because it, and, and it's completely why that information that you've included and in, in kind of distilled from those experiences is so valuable because it's completely rooted in your journey of how, I mean, how the hell do I even do this? I feel like every salesperson whether they've been doing it for 10 days or 10 years, you get into a new role or maybe even, you know, you wake up one day and you've been this, at somewhere for five years and have this revelation, but you, you know, it's like, what the hell do I do? How am I going to get this person who does something that I really have no clue about yeah. to, to talk to me and I'm going to sound knowledgeable and compelling and all these things. And then, um, and that's just the internal dialogue. Sure. Right? And then you get into at your desk and then it's meetings and proposals and opportunities, pipeline and <laughs> all yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, the whole thing, the whole thing, the most important step, which people I think often overlook is the, is the boss, right? They, they think the boss is your manager or whoever you're reporting to, but really getting a good understanding of the job that the person is doing that you're reaching out to specifically. You know, like when I, when I got the uh, meeting with the CMO of Vonage back in the day, it was an idea that I had because I was actually trying to sign up for Vonage. And I found it really confusing and cumbersome. The website and the UI was super confusing. We happened to fix that problem. And so I actually documented my whole experience. Like I, I took screenshots and emails back and forth at the chat. This was before like Vidyard and you couldn't, couldn't like record, you know, anything. But I would, I would record that with my case number. And I sent that to the CMO and said, you know, we've got an idea to, to help this. And I teased it a little bit. Within like five minutes, this was way before there were automated follow-ups. So it wasn't as crowded as it was today, but I think even today, 
if you include like, I mean, I included screenshots in the email and very specific stuff. And she was like, oh my God, this was pretty, pretty thoughtful. And I think it just comes down to that. Just finding something that you think you could improve specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is with, obviously with your perspective, it's like, oh, these are 15 year old emails. And this was a while ago when I read it. <laughs> didn't that didn't cross my mind i figured oh yeah that's from a while ago whatever but but it was it was fresh it was new and there was proof right and yeah. so i put it into action and i mean meetings with starbucks i got a response from the director of analytics at starbucks that said it was the best cold email he'd ever read and it was a mixture of you know, a funny little meme, a very crispy problem about, I, you know, I went hunting for weeks for this problem, right? And talked to analysts on my team and the director of analytics and had meetings about crispy problems, right? And um, all of that culminated in, hey, this is a really clever, well thought out email. Sure, I'll take a meeting. And well, you did your homework. You did your homework. Like yeah. you really kind of went deep in there. And I think that's a step a lot of people skip because they want the templates and the magic stuff. But the homework and, and really understanding the jobs your prospects are doing and how you could help them do it better. I think that's super smart that you, you know, that took the time to do that. Yeah. And, and I guess my point is, is that 15 years ago works for the CMO of Vonage, you know, 15 years later works for Starbucks and the uh, VP of product at Twitter and all, you know, all the other people that responded. And um, because the truth of the matter is there's always noise. There's always going to be salespeople that are jumping for attention, but if you do your homework and you can connect the dot, connect a dot and, 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 and convey your thoughts through copy. That's not rigid. And yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I struggled with the most, yeah. Josh, yeah. as, as, as a, as an SDR, because I mean, we talk about cold calling all the time. And when I started in inside sales, I knew that was part of the gig, like cold calling, got to get good at cold calling, got to be okay with picking up the phone. What nobody told me was that I was going to have to send emails and that I was going to have to be clever and be a writer of some sort and get people's attention through my words on, on, a, on an email. And, and I, I just, it's funny to me that it's, nobody said anything to me about that. They were like, yeah, so we built some cadences. You're going to do some calls and you're going to send some emails, you know, and then those templates dry up and they stop working and you've got to get your fifth, sixth and seventh emails out. Well, those don't exist. So how am I going to navigate through this? And that's why, um, again, your perspective of, of having actually done it is so valuable. So talk to us about, so you, you obviously had time on the front lines, figuring these things out for formulating your own methods of, of effective outreach at what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to transition my career and start helping other salespeople so I've in always, the way you, you are now, right? Yeah, as, I you mean, as you mentioned, like I, you know, I, as I mentioned, I, you know, kind of roots in education and teaching. Mm -hmm. and I got about a year into my doctorate to be a principal. And so I've always had this tug of like teaching. I've always liked it. I still volunteer. I teach at the college level. Sometimes I teach at the elementary school level. And while I was working at Jelly Vision, my CEO, Amanda, was actually involved in the startup community. There was an incubator out there called 1871. And she's like, why don't you come and do like a guest talk or something? 
And I had never considered doing that, but I did a guest talk to some startups about uh, prospecting and selling. And I really found it super fulfilling. Uh, this idea of teaching sales because I was doing sales and then I was a mm -hmm. teacher. Now that I was teaching sales, I found it really fulfilling. And as they, the more I did that, the more I felt that tug uh, going before I decided to take the leap. And I took the leap because I saw an opportunity to be able to do uh, sales, but in a way that I call it, you know, not selling your soul. So much of the sales stuff out there is a kind of uh, salesy and broy and in your face and, and slimy and hypey. And I saw a real uh, need, as you put it, to be just a little more human and interesting. Um, actually turn sales into a, a, an experience for people that they actually enjoyed. Um, even when I do prospecting for myself and my clients, even if people say no, and you can see this on my website, it's usually not right now, but man, that was the most awesome outreach 30 day thing. It wasn't annoying. It was, it made me laugh. That, that part about the Spanish guitar cracked me up. And I actually have audio clips on my website of what prospects say. I usually ask them, you know, what prompted you to take the call? And it's, Oh, it's never like what I do. It's always how I made them feel. Mm. It's like that thing was really interesting and fun. And I just wanted to kind of learn more about what you're doing. And yeah, so that it was kind of, it was kind of just a natural progression for me to, to kind of go in from teaching to sales to teaching sales. Yeah, no, it's, it makes complete sense. It's, it's a marrying of, of the two worlds you lived in and, and boy, does it come through, right? Because it, it seems incredibly natural for you to be able to explain things in a way that your audience, AKA salespeople are going to understand and identify with and relate to, which is exactly it, it's, it's what's really funny, Josh, is when I read your stuff, um, it's so meta because you're doing exactly what you're going to teach us to do right. all the time. You bring up a great point. You know, you didn't go to school to learn how to explain things in ways that get people to care and be motivated to learn more. I was guest lecturing at a college a few months ago and these professors, they like knew their domain, but it was like when I was in college, like they just couldn't teach mm -hmm. in a way that was interesting. And so there's a lot of books out there. One of them is called the art of explanation. Um, to get good at explaining things. It's a skill mm. you know, using metaphor and story and breaking things down. Because oftentimes I find that salespeople reach out to me all the time and they've got an interesting product, but they just don't communicate it well. Mm -hmm. And it's confusing. And when you confuse people, Donald Miller over at StoryBrand, it's a great saying, when you confuse, you lose, mm. you kind of burn too many calories. And so it's a shame because so many ideas are not well received because people don't know how to communicate in interesting ways. And you have to know how to entertain and explain things. And so level up on that. It's a skill. You can learn how to be a better teacher. Most people didn't go to school or how to teach or explain. Yeah. It's kind of like nobody told me I was going to be sending emails. That's okay, right. Right. It's like another kind of unseen yeah, skill sure. that, that yeah. successful salespeople need to think about it, which, which I think is amazing. Um, and as I look at the time here, I want to make sure that for the folks that aren't going to take 30 minutes, which is ridiculous, to listen to the entire episode all at once. I always include a little sales tip at the beginning of the okay. episode. So okay. what is an actionable sales tip that somebody listening to the episode can use once they hear the little snippet here? If I had to give just one, I think it would be this. Uh, detach from the outcome. What do I mean by that? I mean, oftentimes when people are selling or they're prospecting, they put so much pressure on themselves to be able to book the meeting. And that pressure can be felt by your prospect. They can smell your commission breath. And so when you detach from the outcome and you're indifferent to the outcome, if this person wants to continue the conversation, great. Um, if they don't, that's okay too, because there's other people 
I can have conversations with. I have a mindset of abundance. And when you go in with that intent, that you're not assuming that what you have is going to be the top priority for someone when you call, which most of the time it isn't, but you're there to start a conversation. They may say that it's not interesting, even though you think it is, it's not up to you. Um, and be able to say, okay, because if, if someone doesn't have the motivation, I see salespeople spending so much time and energy trying to force it, you know, trying to push the rock up the hill. I was working with a company last week and they had this one rep had 50 deals in his pipeline. And I'm like, not, you just don't have that. Like, and as we gone, as we went through it, it became apparent pretty quickly that he's just hanging on and hanging on and, and it's desperate and neediness. And so this idea of just detaching from the outcome and being indifferent from an intent and a belief perspective, I think is the one tip I would share with your readers. And, and a tip that will allow them to have a much longer sales career if they employ it, because it's whew, super stressful when you're yeah, anchored I mean, to these things and all these variables that are outside your control and, and just, ugh, it's, it's yeah, completely I mean, changes the experience, right? I mean, the, the debilitating feeling of rejection on a cold call is because in your head, you feel rejected if you don't book the meeting. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you kind of take that away and you don't assume and you just go call the next person because that person's not- The next person to call. Yeah. You have abundance. Yeah, that, that kind of goes away. So this, this, it's a super important concept. I think that's helped me a lot um, in sales. I love it. I love it. And, and final question. Yeah. Same question I ask everybody that comes on the Lunch Break Podcast. Josh, what is your favorite place to eat lunch? So my favorite place to eat lunch is a little place in Deerfield Beach, Florida that's been there since I've been about six years old called the Whale's Rib. And they have this dish called the Whale Fries. These are homemade potato chips that they make to order. Literally, they come out hot and they serve it with vinegar that you sprinkle on top and a little pink Himalayan sea salt. Enough said. Mm, yep. <laughs> Gotta get James, down. Book, James, are you on Southwest booking your flight to? Yeah, he is. He's booking his yep, flight to right Florida now. Yep, just happened. Yep, and <laughs> I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. Um, and I, I love those those spots that nobody would ever know about unless you've been there and you knew about the pink Himalayan. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Josh. Thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your day to come on the show. As always, tons of value. Um, and for folks that maybe weren't already connected with you and want to connect with you and continue to follow you, how can they do that? So easiest way is to go on LinkedIn, type in uh, Josh Braun and uh, hit me up with a connection request. Just include like one sentence of something that you saw me on James and I'll, because I get about 150 a day. And the ones that get my attention are always the ones that have it. Just a sentence, just make a smidge of effort. Uh, it doesn't take much. Himalayan say salt will get you in. <laughs> whale fries will get you in. James, and just just whale fries in your invite. You're in or Himalayan salt. Boom. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 49 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.